I'm Patrick Reynolds, founder of Kenzai, and this is Welcome to Your Body. In this podcast, we try to reacquaint you with the beauty, the majesty, and the mystery of the human body and surprise you by some cool facts about this thing that you are living in every day of your life. Today, let's talk about what's not so great about your body and why it's like that. I want you to, in your mind's eye, picture a horse running through a field. And it's even better if you could actually pull up a picture of a horse. And we'll supply one in the show notes if you'd like. I want you to think about that horse and think about its legs. And I want you to point to the knees. Find the knees of a horse. Now, most people, when you ask them to do this, will understandably point to the little knobbly bit of a horse that protrudes out just above the hoof, the part that bends. This is kind of weird because it actually is bending backwards from the way our knees work. You think about the way a horse moves, the knees go backwards, if you think of those as the knees. So isn't it strange that horses and all ungulates, all all animals with hooves like this, have these reverse knees? This allows them to accelerate really quickly and it gives them an efficient gallop. But if you know anything about evolution, you know that it's very rare to see a complete reversal of a structure like that. Evolution is really slow. It kind of oozes and it makes do with what it can do. It doesn't ever do a big redesign like turn a knee backwards. When you look at a horse's skeleton, everything becomes much more clear. And you realize that those backwards bending knee structures that we were pointing at before, they are not the horse's knees. The knees, very identifiable, are way up in the horse's body, right under its uh, torso area. You can't see them because they're usually embedded up in the frame. And what we see as the knees are actually the ankles and wrists of the creature. If you think about the forward feet as the wrists and the back as the ankles. So if you point your toe on the ground as if you were like a ballet dancer, you'll see that there at your heel, you have a backwards bending arch. That's what the horse is showing you when it gallops. And you can even see the back of your heel uh, kind of pokes out. And that explains exactly that knobbly bit of a horse's uh, ankle, which pokes out to the back. And so this means that the horse is actually running around not on its feet, but on its fingernails and toenails. And that's what hooves are. They're just really strong, robust nails at the end of the horse's hands and feet. And it kind of runs around on tiptoes. Mind blown. The skeletal structure of a horse is really strange, but given the evolutionary pressures, it was clearly the best that natural selection could do with the materials it had. You need an animal that's light on its feet, that can change directions really quickly, and it turns out that running around in your toenails and fingernails was the best way to do that, and that's how we ended up with horses. If you find any animal with bones, you'll be looking at the same building blocks. You're going to see a skull. You're going to see a central spine and a rib cage. You're going to see a shoulder girdle that attaches to that spine. You're going to see the pelvis. You're going to see some hip bones. You're going to see four limbs with joints that end in finger and toe bones. And you're going to see that muscles attached to these bones in really predictable ways. 
This is kind of Evolution's starter pack. This is the base set of building blocks that it has to work with. And with this, natural selection goes to work. Over eons, bones grow and some shrink, some bones are stretched out and some are squished together, and sometimes they get really out of place. For example, if you look at a whale skeleton, if you look way back near its tail, you'll see this tiny weird wishbone type construction. That is actually the hip bones of the whale. Now obviously a whale doesn't have much use for a pelvis and hip bones, and so these vestigial bones kind of sit in the back of its uh, fatty tail, not doing anything. In fact, they're mostly disconnected from the rest of the skeleton, but they're there and we can find them. No matter which animal we look at, we can find these telltale marks of bone structure. What I'm trying to say here is that evolution isn't a process of careful, meticulous, planned design. It's all about randomly morphing the same structure into different configurations and then seeing what works. The things that work well survive, continue the trade. The thing that doesn't work well quickly gets removed from the gene pool. Once you learn the basic blueprint of vertebrate life, you'll see that we're all pretty much the same. Our muscles and bones are just stretched out in different ways to meet the needs of our environments. But all the parts are still there. So yes, zebras have triceps, penguins have pecs, and bats have abs. Turtles have shoulder blades, and dolphins have five fingers underneath their flippers. They're there. We're all just a big, rambunctious, beautiful extended family. So I spend a lot of time telling people that their bodies are these amazing organic wonders and that we have to respect them and work hard to maintain them, and that's all true. But it's also important to realize that your body is kind of a mess. It is not at all like your smartphone or your car. Every part of those modern machines is designed for a really specific purpose and it uses the best materials that the makers can find and is continually iterated and improved on. But your body has no designer beyond random mutation and the selective pressure of a harsh environment. So if something worked, it was passed on to the next generation and even if it was an inefficient and crazy way to do things, it still gets passed on because it works. This is why we have to spend thousands of dollars to remove our wisdom teeth. The human jaw has shrunk over time, but our teeth didn't get the memo and our teeth are still trying to grow into our large early hominid jaws, which aren't there anymore. Crowds all the teeth out, creates wisdom teeth, and we have to get them taken up. This is why your little toe is so useless. As Homo erectus became upright and started walking, the weight of the foot shifted towards the big toe and it minimized the outer digits of the foot. So your little toe just hangs out there, a vestigial piece of a much more useful appendage uh, hundreds and millions of years ago. So this is why your back hurts. The spine was never intended to be a vertical column supporting the entire weight of the upper body. It's a terrible design, but for us it worked, and it worked well enough that we can survive and procreate, although of course we do have a lot of back pain from it. And this brings us to the knees. So we started this podcast talking about horses' knees. The fact that horses run on the tips of their fingers and toes means that the really small, delicate structures of their wrist and ankle, so to speak, are under a lot of strain. And when you look at the most common injuries among horses, there are always problems of the lower extremities the wear and tear of the bones and ligaments 
that were really not designed to support a 500 kilogram animal. So like, come on horses, what's the matter with you? Why do you have such a stupid design? But before you get too smug, you have to realize that your body has some really dumb design choices itself. And our own knees are nothing to be proud of. With our crazy idea of standing up permanently on two legs, we actually doubled the amount of weight that our lower limbs have to carry. The knees are where all of these forces intersect. So it connects the largest bone of your body, the femur, with the two second longest bones, which is your tibia and fibula. This means that these little delicate sacs of fluid and cartilage of the knee has to deal with the lever forces produced by the longest and strongest bones in your skeleton. It's as if you had two strong pry bars and they're working across a grape. That's the kind of forces we're talking about here. And what's even worse is that the knee has to work in three dimensions. It has to handle forces coming from the side, from the back, from the front. It has to rock and hinge and twist and cantilever its way through the day to carry your body as it shambles along on two legs. And the truth is, your knees are a poor design. When we give someone who's lost their leg a prosthetic knee, we don't make it anything like our own knee. We build it with better materials. We build it with a stronger joint. We would never choose to have the knee design that we have right now. This is why your ACL is so easy to tear. This is why your cruciate ligament is so easily strained and pulled. This is why your meniscus breaks, and this is why your knees get fractured, dislocated, and overextended, and hyperextended. This is why your knees kind of suck. I use the knees as a clear, easy-to-understand example, but the same thing is true for every part of our bodies. You get pulled groins, you get shin splints, you get strained hamstrings, tennis elbow, you get twisted ankles. All of these are evolutionary products of the just barely good enough design that nature goes with. And of course, this problem goes deeper when we get into things like our digestive system and our heart and our lungs and our brains. If you want to really have a what the hell kind of moment, watch someone who's healthy and young in their 20s just keel over and die from an aneurysm just because a brain passage happened to have a poor design which obstructed, boom, they're gone, lights out. That's crazy. That's the kind of bodies we're dealing with here. So if you want to live a life of health and wellness and fitness, you have to keep two contradictory ideas in your head at the same time. The first is that, yes, your body is an amazing high-performance machine. When you feed it right, when you exercise it right, it burns through fat, it makes new muscle, it grows stronger bones, and it gets amazing coordination and performance boosts. It's awesome. But you also have to keep in mind, this machine is a ramshackle collection of repurposed parts that's prone to breaking down and falling to pieces. Not just prone to it, but guaranteed to over time. So you need to go easy on this machine that you live in. You need to let it rest. You need to let it recover. And you have to understand that it's the beautiful, amazing thing, but it's also a flawed creation. If you don't respect that truth about your body, you will get hurt. So here's the thing. Sitting around all day makes you tired and sick. But constantly pushing the envelope makes you chronically sore and damaged and hurt. The way through is to find a middle path in which you're squeezing out as many happy, productive, and active years as you can while respecting the fact that you live in a ramshackle collection of oddly shaped bones and muscles, which is prone to breaking. So you need to train hard, but you need to be safe. And you need to err on the side of caution. 
when you take on a new physical challenge. At Kenzai, when we see people get hurt, it's always when they're doing something for the first time. They feel really good, they go out and they try to ski a slope they've never done, or they try to take on a sport they've never They go too hard, they get hurt. So those are your danger zones. When you're in something you know how to do and you're doing it well, you're probably going to be fine. So you need to be good to your body. It's a flawed piece of creation to be sure, but it's also irreplaceable. It's ultra rare. You have a one-of-a-kind custom model that no one will ever reproduce. So cherish it, take it out for a spin, but be safe. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Your Body. If you like this podcast, if you like thinking about your body in this way, you're going to love Kenzai programs. There's one starting every month. Head over to Kenzai.com and check one out today.